We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro Football Talks, Mike Florio, Flores, Florist. Well, I don't know what his name yeah. is anymore. He walked himself back with a post-game Twitter apology for the way he spoke about the Ravens leading up to Monday Night Football. Right, which we covered in the post-game live stream. The next morning, however, while, yes, holding himself accountable and following up on that apology, in the same breath, Sarah, he also took credit for the Ravens' win and then played the classic victim card. And his co-host, Chris Sims, he called him out on it. Yeah, I'm Sarah Ellison alongside Bobby Trossett. It is Wednesday, December 27th, and this is your morning Ravens update from Inside the Vault, presented by our friends at GEHA. All right, partner, we're officially on the doorstep of Week 17 in the NFL, and we're going to run you through Baltimore's postseason clinching scenarios and also go inside John Harbaugh's winning locker room from San Francisco. Plus, NFL Hall of Fame quarterback Kurt Warner shared his analysis of Monday night's win, but was left with one burning question. Can the Ravens reach the Super Bowl playing this much off-schedule football? We've got all that more coming up in a jam-packed episode. Thanks for waking up with the Morning Vault, where you get the most important Ravens news and our opinions in about 30 minutes. Before we kick off the show, just wanted to say thanks again uh, from both of us to all of you who came out in droves on Christmas night, which was really the day after Christmas. By the time we started, we went to the wee hours well after 1 a.m. Eastern and hit and just shattered records in terms of peak concurrent viewership. So you guys are the best. It really kind of feels like things are rounded out into form here, not only for our show, but for the way the season's going. And there's a lot on the line coming up for New Year's Eve. We're going to have a jam-packed kind of short week here for the team, for our coverage, hopefully treat it as normal as possible in terms of content, uh, get you a game preview episode for Miami because bottom line is, as we'll just touch on in, in a couple topics from now, you win if you're the Ravens on Sunday, then you lock up that coveted number one seed and the division. So lots to get to, but we'll begin with kind of what we talked about during the post-game live stream, and that was this after – what Lamar Jackson referred to as disrespectful, uh, Mike Florio, and and what he was referring to specifically was the coverage of Mike. Well, let's just get to the comments just in case you hadn't checked this out yet. Remember, this was Mike Florio 
from last week talking about Ravens and 49ers, which ended up certainly getting internal to, to the Ravens locker room. Kick the out of everybody they face. The, the quest is for second place. That's it. As long as those people stay healthy. They're currently healthy. The 49ers kick out of the Ravens Here. on Monday night. I'm sorry, I know that's disrespectful to the Ravens, but let's be realistic. At home, they're going to fly across the country on Christmas night, and the 49ers are waiting, and the 49ers are going to dismantle the Ravens. And it's, not, it's a, if it's a Super Bowl preview, the Super Bowl is going to suck because the 49ers, as long as those guys are healthy, they're going to run. All right, we know what happens, obviously, Monday night as we're live streaming after the game this tweet comes out Lamar is right I apologize for how I phrased my opinion I believe the 49ers are dramatically better than every other team in the NFL Cowboys Eagles Chiefs Dolphins everyone the Ravens proved otherwise they deserve complete and total respect for what they accomplished again this was in direct response to Lamar's question or I should say Lamar's answer to the question that he was asked related to the disrespect that Lamar I'm doing a terrible job of setting this up, partner. But what did you? What were you looking for going into today, as we tape this on the 26th, from Mike Florio uh, on his show? I, I don't know what I was expecting. I was interested in seeing it uh, when we when we read his tweet when it had just come out when we were live. I was like, okay, I always appreciate somebody that can apologize. Like I can always expect, I can always appreciate that. And I said, on top of that, usually on top of the words or the tweet, you kind of want to see the action follow up. So that's what I just went to go look for. Like, what was he going to say verbally? Um, is he just going to repeat what he kind of said in the tweet or whatnot? And then so I went to his and uh, Chris Sims Pro Football Talk live show. And they, of course, lead with it off the top. They lead with how um, Lamar called him out coming off the field and then played also played his um, his comments at Presser. They put up Roquan's tweet, you know, or Instagram post where he said, you know, who the heck is this guy But in more colorful language. So they led with all of that. And then, but I was, like I said, I didn't know what to expect, but I certainly didn't expect for him to first contort himself into accepting credit for the Ravens' win. <laughs> And then playing like the victim for having to make picks in the first place. So we'll take a listen to what he said. This is right off the top of his show at uh, Pro Football Talk Live. The, the idea is embedded within the hostility. And it's fine. I can take it. Good. I, I don't have an issue with that. But embedded within the hostility is this idea of if you hadn't said what you said, what you said was going to happen would have happened. And it's like, so are you saying thank you? Like, I don't, I, I, there's an element of that. And I, I, hear, you. I, I, I hear you. Look, at, at, the, at the end of the day, at the end maybe of the day, you said the what the day, they needed wrong. to hear to get them over the hump for a little extra motivation. Maybe that's all it was. Exactly, exactly. right. The idea is 49ers versus anyone on Christmas night is going to end the way that I thought last night's game was going to end. And I was wrong. And I will admit it. And I will own it. And that's. I mean, that's one of the occupational hazards. They make us do the picks. I don't, I said, and this isn't new, before the season, I don't want to do picks. I just want to enjoy the games. Can we just enjoy the games, please? Why do we have to do the freaking picks? Let's just enjoy the games. And I'm going to have the conversation in the offseason with the powers that be at NBC. I don't want to do this anymore about the picks. Oh, my gosh. Just, what are you? Would the, you stop? Let's cover the game. Would you stop? I don't. There's nothing. No. 
all that listen listen this is a broader this is a broader philosophical gambling discussion as it relates to the enticement of people to wage when maybe they shouldn't be. But, but I was now, wrong. now I, I thought you I was well, wrong. now you're sounding like you're, 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 you're backing down now you sound like you're backing down now I'm not backing down okay I'm well, not backing down everybody that listens I, to a show my, like this I wants to my, hear guys like us make picks and see who we think are going to win a game when I, I tune into other shows does. well a lot of people do I don't care they what like people to hear. think I don't they care like to hear I don't. people that you listen to on a regular basis you don't like if you had somebody you okay. listen to on a regular basis. I don't you listen to anybody on a regular basis. Okay, well, yeah, I you have care. a problem. I don't you're, care. You're in a closet I don't by yourself. care <laughs> what people think about who's going to win games and who's going to lose games, except when they do something really freaking stupid like I did. Then it's entertaining. And it's when you step on a rake and it whacks you right between the eyes, then it's entertaining. When do you go all. all in on a team like that and tell them they're going to get their I ass whooped like that, right. that's what you get. Don't write again, checks that your ass can't cash. So I will say, because I watched the whole segment, there was a lot to it. That was just some of the highlights of it. Both analysts were kind of talking out of both sides of their mouth. So here, Chris Sims takes um, Mike Floyd a task, and he does it correctly because he's essentially saying you went too far with it, right? But then if you go on, he's like, but what you were saying, even though you said it the wrong way, there was like, he was like, it wasn't crazy what you were saying underneath. So, I, you know, it was fun to listen to Chris Sims say that, you know, don't write checks that you can't cash. At the same time, though, he wasn't totally disagreeing with them just the way he said it. So... Which which is fine. Now, in terms of Florio, I felt like he was talking outside out of both sides of his mouth too. Because on one end, he did. He took. He he was like, "Look, I was wrong. I was wrong." And I wanted to be sure I put that in there because I didn't want to misrepresent that he didn't say I was wrong. So he does take accountability for that. But then it's almost as if he takes the accountability accountability back away. When he says, I don't want, I didn't want to do picks in the first place. Bobby, I know you don't like picks either. That's something more that I push, right? That it's like, because it's like, it's, it's the fun thing to do. Like we're driving in the car. My son says, mom, who do you think she, who's going to win? And I'll give my opinion. I'll say, son, who do you think is going to win? Say the same thing. My husband, you know what I mean? Like we all do that. We all just say, you know, who do you think is going to win? So I get that. It's not like the most comfortable thing to put it out there in front of thousands of people. And so maybe he really did ask to not do it before the season, but regardless, that's the, the, the contract you have with your employee, your employer, you do it. And your employer didn't tell you to put your foot in your mouth. Your employer didn't tell you to, to say anything disrespectful. And so that's where like, it's like both sides out of your mouth. On one end, you say, Hey, I take accountability. I was wrong. But are you only saying you're wrong because the Ravens are the ones who beat the snot out of the 49ers? Or would he today be gloating? And I guess that's why I said yesterday, I want to see the apology. Like, I want to see it falling up with, with actions because it's like, would he be gloating today? Because it wasn't the issue was not that he picked the 49ers. These guys got to pick people all the time. And, and there were a ton of analysts that picked the 49ers. None of them getting as much heat as Florio because it was the way he did it. It was the way he did it, which that seems to be going over his head. And instead of addressing that, he's like, hey, I'm forced to do these and I hate it. And then the mental gymnastics, I, I don't know what, like the, to me, the way he spoke about taking credit, I don't know if he's a narcissistic, a narcissistic person, but I will say that was a narcissistic comment. 
like to put you yourself. And you know what? The Ravens all commented on it. So that does put them in the middle of it. But man, that again goes back to being disrespectful to the Ravens. The whole point from the beginning was that you never gave the Ravens a chance. And then now that they blew them out, oh, it's not because they would have done that anyway. It was because of my comments. It's because of my comments. That's why I hate, I hate like um, superstitions. I hate people talking about jinxes. It's like, give me a break. None of that has an effect on anything. Like, did it, did it fire them up? Sure. But if he hadn't have said it, could they still have gone in and done that beat down? Absolutely. So now you're just disrespecting the Ravens even maybe worse in some ways because they already won the game and you're saying, Hey, maybe it wouldn't have happened if it weren't for me. Like just the epitome of narcissism inside that comment. Uh, nothing else needs to be said. That's a pretty good synopsis. Okay. Really good synopsis. And he sound he sounded and looked like a guy to me that hadn't gotten a lot of sleep and that had read every single tweet that came yeah. in about him. I think he was pressed, glued to his phone, watching all of this unfold. Maybe if he is a narcissistic person, he was loving all of this coming in. <laughs> he made it seem like it, it it was just dirt off the shoulder. But I don't know. Mike Florio became the story around this game. So if you are yeah. narcissistic. You are you have an ego that's going to feed into it. So yeah. you wonder if he actually enjoyed the last twenty four hours, despite it being overwhelmingly negative against him, deservingly so. So that was just one of many national media segments that we have for you. That begins our segment here. So where do we want to head next, Richard Sherman? Well, I, I figured, um, sure, we'll do Richard Sherman. Just I don't want to go back and replay everything that everybody said. It would take too much time. If you want to go back to past episodes, what we've done is pulled in guys that we kind of highlighted going into this game of who were, um, you know, not just picking against the Ravens, but were like, you know, pretty confident about it. Nobody, nobody disrespectful like Mike, like Mike Florio. So Richard Sherman, I think we played it, or at least I put it on Twitter. I can't remember. But basically, he was asked on his Undisputed show, is there any way you could make a case that the Ravens are better than the 49ers? And he's just like, absolutely not. No, 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 no. They're not better, yada, yada, yada. He goes on for like two minutes. And so, of course, I wanted to go check him out and uh, see what his reaction was. I just grabbed a small clip. This won't go for too long, but here's the audio of that. And that's the wrong one. That It's right here. Better game in the San Francisco 49ers last night for sure. Ooh, that was Ooh. quick. <laughs> that's like no boss. I, I, no I ain't never heard you I go that up. fast, Richard. Yeah. <laughs> so they gave Richard the floor in the beginning. And uh, it was he, he spoke a little bit longer than that. But if you ever watch these shows, these guys will go on for two or three minutes, just like I just did on Mike Florio. And they'll go on and on and on because that's what they're supposed to do. They're paid to talk. And he was quick. He was like, they were better. The Ravens were better, you know, without a doubt. And then they were just laughing because, you know, it's kind of what Skip was. No moss. Like, no moss, no more. Now, having said that, while he definitely took humble pie in terms of what he said of who was going to win and who was the better team, he is for sure, Bobby, Standing on his hill that Lamar Jackson does not deserve to be the MVP. Uh, he and Des Bryant were tweeting about it back and forth quite a bit after the game. Richard Sherman said, if, if Lamar won it, it would be the worst statistical MVP season in a long time. Des Bryant replies, come on, Sherm. The Ravens didn't, don't win without Lamar. What are you saying? I mean, he, he, went, he went back and forth with people all day. So, uh, And here's the thing, Bobby. It's fine. Like if you're, it, here's, here's the reality. 
the MVP voters are going to have lots of different people who, who decide what's most important to them. And you're probably going to have voters like Richard Sherman that are like, look, the stats have to be there too. It might not be the only thing, but they have to be there too. So I don't think whoever wins, I do not think it's going to be unanimous. And so meanwhile, by the way, when I listened to that segment with uh, Florio and Sims, they both said they have votes. I didn't know that they were voters. Both Florio and Sims are voters, and they both said they haven't made their final decision, but if the season ended today, they said they would vote for Lamar because they, they felt like they saw the impact of him. So, I, you know what? I, I don't hate Sherman because he wouldn't vote for Lamar. Uh, I disagree with him. I think it like I think you have to watch the games and see how like it, like the stats just don't just don't capture what he does. But but I don't I don't I, I just can't get as angry about it just because he disagrees. Yeah, I was actually following the exchange on Twitter too between Dez and and Richard Sherman and and Richard basically was came back to Dez and said, you know, how much do you credit the Ravens defense for their success? And Dez went on this whole long quote tweet here. And of course he had a cup of coffee with the Ravens, right? If I'm not mistaken, I think it was the 2020 season. And uh, Dez said that you know, the Ravens defense is credited for a lot of the team's success. You can say the same about San Francisco. The world still had Brock Purdy favored to win the MVP before last night's game. I say that to say this, it's going to sound crazy, but a football mind like yourself will understand it. Uh, Lamar Action Jackson is the Baltimore Ravens. They can't function without him. There's no way the Ravens will be sitting at the number one spot without Lamar. And and there's nothing crazy about what he said there, but that's the logic I know you and I uh, certainly hold our hats on, you know. And and it's it's very clear when the the Ravens go as Lamar goes. We've mm-hmm. seen that all throughout his tenure here especially in particular the last two seasons when he hasn't been available down the stretch. And look mm-hmm. what happens now. He is available. Oh, and they're going as he going, right? 12-3, and mm-hmm. three, best, best record in the league, coasting their way through December. And, and one win away at the Miami Dolphins from, from locking up that coveted top overall seed, which we'll speak on more. So it, it, it's funny. And I wanted to play, if you don't mind, I don't want to screw up our, our script here. I do have a, a clip of Richard Sherman's argument there, audio only, from Undisputed. you want to share that? Sure. Because this is where he said the line about Josh Allen that got everybody fired up on Tuesday. So here's Richard Sherman and Keyshawn Johnson. And I love Lamar Jackson as much as anybody. I, you know, I've supported him the whole time. If he had his numbers that he had the MVP year, which was 43 touchdowns to six interceptions, 43 total, then we would be shouting from the rooftops, he's the MVP of the league. So you're talking about this team wouldn't be this. First off, we haven't seen them without him this year. So just like you said, no other years matter. He's been a starting quarterback for the Ravens this entire year. So don't make the point that no other year matters unless you, you know what I mean? But Josh Allen has 40 total touchdowns right now. Does that mean he's the MVP of the league? No, it does not. He's accounted for 83% of his team's touchdowns. 83 he, no QB is more important to their team right now than Josh Allen is to the Buffalo Bills. Mm. So you can- All right, so again, that was a three-plus-minute clip, so we're not going to play the entire thing. But that line right there, not long after, the, the Josh Allen line that you just heard there, resulted in this. Keyshawn <laughs> no. Johnson got up and left. And for the audio-only folks, it's a screenshot of the undisputed 
TV show where you have Skip on the right-hand side, you got Richard in the middle, and then in the camera angle on the far left where Keyshawn sits, there's just an empty chair. He got up and walked out. Now, it was only a moment. It was just, you know, temporarily. But, yeah. hey, point taken. You know, we, we got you, Key. We can relate to you because you know, for whatever reason, th- these guys get so hung up on on statistics. And, and, and Richard goes on to note, by the way, and, and this is accurate, that the stats that he's talking about in past logic for MVP voters have been part of the criteria. That have that have decided this award for years. So we understand that. I'm of the belief that standard logic, Lamar Jackson defies standard logic. Standard logic, you can't properly evaluate and measure Lamar Jackson's importance to this team based on standard logic. And I thought Dan Orlovsky and some other folks out there did a great job. Uh, on Tuesday, just in the analysis side of things, of telling you the story of why that's the case. Here's an example. Dan said he counted eight plays where Lamar made something out of nothing, meaning a positive play out of a negative starting point. Those eight plays accounted for 143 yards of offense. That metric has to be used in the conversation. You're not going to hear that from Unk. You're not going to hear that from Sherm. You're not going to hear that from... the generic box score watchers, and I'm not saying those guys are that, but I know we drag them sometimes or whatever, but it, there's so much more to Lamar's game than these volume stats that you always reference, and we have to do a better job, and I'm not saying you and I, the football world has to do a better job of when we're talking about Lamar and we're evaluating him, in this case, for MVP candidacy, something he could give a rat's you-know-what about, <laughs> along with the rest of the team, that this has to be taken into account. Well, and you know what does not like, like, again, uh, this is not to like put down Josh Allen because he's a heck of a quarterback, but you, you kind of made a case of what Lamar, how Lamar defies standard logic, but here's what doesn't like, where is Buffalo in this, in the current playoff picture? Number six, number six. And one of the reasons why they're the sixth seed is because of Josh Allen and his interceptions during during like a major losing streak. And so like that's why to 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 Richard like you were like Richard Sherman Sherman is saying traditionally that's how it's decided but no but like how often is it decided that it's like it's the stat like here's my thing. Yes, stats are a part of it. Won't won't deny that. But when you go from if you start to go from start just only focusing on the stats and ignoring where your team is in terms of how how good they are, so Buffalo six seed, then you're relying too much on the stats. You're relying too much on box scores and individual stats because what like I have it I have kids on my teams all the time in basketball who are uber talented, score the most in our team on our team, but don't get the other guys involved. And then when a better team comes around where they have, you know, maybe one more talented person. And so now they have two or three talented people to my one talented guy, then the three can beat the one. And so it doesn't matter that he's our MVP. If he can't lift everybody else up around him, we still lost. 
You know, so to me, you rely too heavily on stats when you start to ignore the overall success of the team. Now, I'll say this. Josh Allen could still make a case for himself. There's two, still two more games. Yes. Maybe he makes the case that they go from being out of the playoff picture to him playing sweet ball, and he has the stats, and then all of a sudden, I don't know what, the, I don't know what their playoff scenarios are, but let's say they could get the number two seed. Mm -hmm. Okay, then, then maybe you're starting to have a better uh, argument for Josh Allen. Um, but you can't, you can't focus so much on stats that you ignore the overall team success. Yes. And so I think that's the standard logic against, uh, what Richard Sherman said right there. And just to be clear too, he, he is my MVP through 16 weeks. I'm not ready to crown him yet. I know Who, who's him Lamar. Oh, Lamar okay. My MVP through 16 weeks. I'm not ready to crown him yet. I want to see what happens over the next two weeks. But to me, it's undeniable that he is the guy through 16 weeks of football. What Colin Coward have to say about it? Um, well, oh, here, I'll just play it for you. He, Colin Coward, uh, you know, has been speaking very highly of Lamar, but you'll remember when he gave the top 10 last week of the top 10 players, best players going into that game, eight of them, he said, were the 49ers. And so <laughs> now that being said, I think he was wrong saying it was eight of, out of the, uh, out of the 10, but because he believed that, right and saw Lamar overcome that then for in his mind that makes Lamar even a bigger candidate for MVP here's here's Colin Cowherd stop showing me stats I have eyes I watch the games Lamar Jackson was the best player on the field on a field with 10 Hall of Famers and it wasn't particularly close stop with the Tua Dak Brock Purdy nonsense Baltimore's been ravaged by injuries. What are they on their 19th running back? They lost their Pro Bowl tight end, left tackle, plays, doesn't play, plays, doesn't play. Doesn't matter. Rookie receiver, multiple drops, doesn't matter. If you were a scout and were sent to this game and they said, give me a, give me a take on the two quarterbacks, your take would be on Brock Purdy. Kind of a guy, could be a backup. And your take on Lamar Jackson would be, holy God, I've never seen a player like that. The dude runs, looks like half speed against the Niners. Half speed. Thursday, Thanksgiving football backyard with cousins. Half speed. He runs whenever he wants. Whenever he wants. Home, road, good weather, bad weather against the 49ers defense. There's nothing like him on the planet. I don't need to see passer rating. He wins 80% of his games, and he wins big games. People in Miami freaking out. Miami hasn't won a playoff game since 2000. Ooh, we won a home game over Dallas. Lamar Jackson wins games like this every Sunday, home or away. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So there, there was Colin Cowherd. I, my, my favorite was just like if you were the scout coming in and you watched that one game, then it's like, oh, yeah, Purdy's a guy. Lamar is like, holy, you know, you know the rest. So, uh, again, that was just that game. I do think Brock looked has looked much better, but uh, not when you're up against the Ravens defense. And the last thing I wanted to get to, um, unless you wanted to say anything about Colin, did you want to say anything about that? No, I just wanted to say that, that he wasn't the only one that got to watch all of that. 27.2 million viewers. It's the second most watched Monday night football game in 27 years, trailing just the Eagles and Chiefs in week 11 of this season. So uh, that's the most viewed game in Ravens regular season history. And so this wasn't just a Ravens crowd. This wasn't just, you know, 49ers crowd. This was and it, what's interesting about that, too. I wonder how viewership is categorized or, or measured because the second half was not nearly as entertaining and competitive as the first half. And so you wonder if like how, how much, what counts towards one view. But anyway, clearly from a hype standpoint, I guess it lived up to it from a viewership standpoint. All right. So the last one I wanted to get to is Shannon Sharp, uh, who actually was not disrespectful going into it. I actually don't know who he picked going into it. Um, but he has been saying for a while that the Ravens are, you know, at least the best in the AFC, um, all that kind of stuff. Um, I know he had Brock as his MVP going into the week, but I don't know who he That's true. He had Brock as his MVP. That's true. And so he actually gave some pretty glowing remarks about both Lamar and the Ravens. He said, unquestioningly, they made the statement that they're the best team, not just in the AFC, but the NFL. And he also said that for him, uh, Lamar Jackson is now the favorite at MVP. He wants to see the final two games. That's no problem. But he went on about on and on about how, holy cow, if Lamar does get a second MVP and then somehow gets a Super Bowl, he's like, that's the elite of the elite. Like, it doesn't get much better than that. So he was very glowing about him. But the thing that, like, um, that I wanted to pull in here uh, was when he was asked, like, why, in, why is everybody in Baltimore mad at you? Like, why do they, why do they hate you? And, um, his answer just left a lot to be desired for me. So here it is. Hey, hey, Unc, why do they think you hate Lamar, Unc? What's that all about? Why does everybody think that? Because they don't want, listen, I happen to be black, and they don't like when you offer critique of their black quarterbacks because what they tell me, there's only so, there's only so, there's so few of them. But I say at my job, I cannot differentiate. I, I uh, critique and analyze players. Not the color of the player, the play of the players. So when Lamar plays good, I'm going to say Lamar played good. He played well. When he says bad, I'm going to critique that also. Be it Lamar, be it Dak, be it Justin Fields, it does not matter. My job, and they say, well, Shannon, you played for the Ravens. I did. And when I played for the Ravens, I played my ass off. Played for the Broncos, too. Played my ass off. Now I'm an analyst. I hope that clears everything up. Okay. Yeah. So a couple things. I'm sure what he spoke to... Uh, has been that he's been accused of that by people where he's like, people don't want me to critique Lamar because I'm black and he's black. And because I was a Raven 
And I have seen some people say that to him online. That is not my critique of him. I don't pretend to know his motive behind his critiques. So I don't know it. And I'm not going to try to guess what his motive is. I just think it's unproductive. But the, what I wish that he would have spoken to are the critiques that I feel like I have. And I feel like a lot of people have probably more people than the ones he just spoke to there. Um, to me, my critiques of him, of, of Shannon is that he's shown time and time again, he's not watching the games or barely, you know, kind of looking over them. And again, sometimes that's just the way it is, especially if there's one o'clock games and you're a national analyst, you can't watch all of them, but that maybe that should mean that you shouldn't go so hard if you didn't get to watch the whole game. And maybe the ones that you could have watched the whole game, like the Jags, where he said that Hamilton wasn't in the game, wasn't in the game. And he had like the biggest impact. It was like, did you even watch it? You know? So it's like, it's, it's like you're critiquing him, but you're critiquing him in way that, ways that it's like, what do you even talk about? Did you watch the game? So that's number one. Number two that I have a problem with is that he, the way he goes so hard, the one that, would, that he and Stephen A went into about whether or not Lamar was even worth his co contract, that wasn't Mike Florio disrespectful, but kind of disrespectful. Plus, he's admitted that he holds Lamar Jackson to a different standard. He has said that. He says that it's because he's an MVP, but then when... Patrick Mahomes has not played well. Shannon puts that at the feet of the front office in Kansas City saying that they didn't get him weapons. But for Lamar, that wasn't an excuse. So to me, and the final thing that my critique of him is, is that he goes hard against Lamar. And again, Lamar's a big boy. He can handle it. But so he can dish it, but he can't take it because I gave him pushback. Wasn't disrespectful, but it was pushback and he blocked me. So to me, that was soft. If you can't, if you can't, if, if you can't take it, then why are you dishing it? So that to me is my critiques of him. And I wish that he spoke to those, uh, instead. Some within the fan base have tweeted at us, left comments. I've certainly seen a few of them on our YouTube channels covering Shannon throughout these last few months that they feel like based on past interactions and pat and one past tweet of Lamar's, um, years ago, saying that he doesn't necessarily – I think he said something along the lines of, I stay away from Unk, meaning there's something there. And so I've seen a bunch of comments over the years about how Shannon has taken exception to Lamar's d disconnect or decision to not really engage with him, whether it be online. I don't know if there's ever been in any in-person interactions. And I never really understood as, as to why. And then I saw the screenshot of a tweet that Lamar responded to from somebody years ago. And again, this is years ago. You don't want to get into it too, too much into the weeds. But Lamar essentially said, you know, I, I try to I, I stay away from him. I don't really, I think he, I think he said some, some choice language, like I don't F with him or something like that. But it just kind of told me, I'm, I'm wondering if there's some person, if there's a personal vendetta here. Uh, no way to prove that. It's one thing that I saw. Recirculate yeah, on the internet I, I, I haven't seen hours. that actual tweet, but I've seen a lot of uh, fans tweet similar things to me, similar sentiments. And again, I want to give, I want to give Unk the benefit of the doubt and being like, I think he's critiquing in his mind as objectively as he can. I think he definitely believes that. My my personal opinion is that almost nobody's one hundred percent objective. Some people are better at it than others. Um, I think most people have biases, but but fool themselves into it. 
but that I just speak that generally. I just can't speak to his motives. I, I can't. I just don't. I mean, I know that's a lot of people's speculation, but all I'm doing is critiquing his 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 words. That's what that's what I feel comfortable doing is I'm critiquing his words. And as he's gone, the, the words against Lamar and his actions, because I can't I just can't speak to what's going on inside his mind in terms of in terms of motives. Yeah, that's fair. Before we get to the playoff picture, this episode's brought to you by our friends at GEHA. And for over 86 years, Government Employees Health Association has offered medical and dental benefits designed to meet the unique needs of federal employees and retirees, military retirees, and their families. And with over 2 million members and growing, GEHA continues to serve those members and families who serve all of us every day. Government Employees Health Association, your friend in federal since 1937. We know federal because we only provide benefits for federal. Federal Drive is presented by GEHA, proudly providing health and dental benefits to federal employees and their families for 86 years. You can visit GEHA.com to learn more. That link is included in the show notes below. We referenced this a few minutes ago, but just one more time. Ravens playoff clinching scenarios as you tweeted. They win the AFC North if... They win or tie on Sunday against Miami or a Cleveland loss or tie. That's how you win the division in week 17. In terms of the AFC number one seed, pretty dang simple. Win and you're in. Take care of business against the Miami Dolphins and you are the number one seed with the bye week with some decisions obviously that will loom. But how about this statistic just in terms of utter dominance? The Ravens have seven wins by 14-plus points this season. All of those opponents are currently above 500. Houston, Cleveland, Detroit, Seattle, Cincinnati, Jacksonville, and San Francisco. A lot of those are division leaders, too. No team in NFL history has had more than five regular season wins by 14-plus points against teams that finished that season with a winning record. So, you know, people hate when you bring up 2019, Sarah, but this is a similar dominance and a stretch of five wins in a row of of similar. It, it's been imperfect, but it has been dominant, and they've done it in all three phases. Um, yes, two things real quick. One, I just want to say real quick that bias comment I said before the break that applies to me also. I think that I think we're all biased. Okay, I just wanted to say I didn't want to make it seem like I was above that. Um, okay, number two, I think this is important information as we head into Miami. Uh, I think it shows how much the Ravens get up for uh, teams that are playoff caliber teams. Sometimes they play down too, but when you have a tough schedule, it's nice that you play up and even above your opponents. So that's nice. And the last thing, because you said this looked like 2019, every chance, it doesn't, maybe not every chance, but now a couple times now, it's clear that 2019 is seared into Lamar Jackson's mind. Because he's like, because every yeah. time somebody asks him something good about what's going on, he's like, well, that happened in 2019 also, and we didn't finish the job. So we're not doing that. We're taking it one day at a time, and I think he's better for it. Yeah, that was unprompted uh, mm -hmm. at the press conference. So Mike Tannenbaum, super extremely impressed. Super extremely. It's been an extremely <laughs> impressive season for the Ravens. He tweeted they have the second hardest schedule with their opponents winning 55.8% of their games. They've got the second biggest point differential. Um, at 173. So again, just more metrics that speak to what they've been able to do through 16 weeks of football at the helm of all of this is year 16, John Harbaugh. Are you kidding me? Still going at 61 years young. And he has certainly cultivated a winning locker room, Sarah, that sounded like this. This is just a part of a snippet of Ravens productions 
video that they released on Tuesday. And this specific part was Lamar's game ball presentation. All right, the last game ball is going to go to – it takes it takes a team to win an MVP award. All right, but I know who the MVP is. Yeah. It's Lamar Jackson. MVP! Gonna take this one game at a time, you know. We're gonna stay locked in because our goal is to make it to February, not playoffs. You know, we're trying to go further, so mm -hmm. just stay locked in the game at a time, play at a time, or practice at a time. We're gonna go get, go get this, you know. Okay. Family mm -hmm. on two, one, two. Did you see Harbs? He's come here, come here. <laughs> come here. Uh, honestly, I did see that, <laughs> and so it's, I mean, John legitimately loves Lamar, but so do his teammates, and this is why, like. I know Lamar. I know Lamar doesn't care too much about the MVP. He's honored by it. But don't tell me his teammates don't care. Don't tell me they don't care. The way they're chanting that and they put out shirts for it and all that kind of stuff. It's the same way we all feel. We just want, we just want, you know, our cute QB to be recognized. So uh, yeah, that's that's a team that completely loves their quarterback. Sarah, that, that snippet and really the entire video, go check it out. Ravens Productions has it up on their Twitter account. But it inspired this tweet, and I feel like it, it really is kind of symbolizes what the Ravens are about right now. Never underestimate the togetherness of an underdog in a team-controlled environment. This is a special group. There's a culture in that locker room. There's a belief. There's a togetherness, like I said. And like I said in the postgame stream, too, that knows no bounds. It feels like that knows no bounds for this team. So we'll see how long they can ride it. Hey, Bobby, why don't we – I know we teased it in the opener, but we're running out of time here. Why don't we push Kurt Warner to tomorrow because I think it's an interesting conversation and we're running out now and just kind of finish up with some quick hits. Does that sound okay to you? I think so. Yep. Okay, cool. So um, so I just wanted to follow up with um, Kyle Hamilton. There was no press conference with John Harbaugh on Monday – uh, not sure when the next one's going to be. Maybe it'll be Tuesday or maybe we'll just head into Wednesday with the normal schedule. So uh, we'll find out there. But um, going into the game, I believe it was kind of known that Kyle Hamilton had a, a an MCL sprain. And so Kadri Ishmael has been on the show, former Ravens wide receiver, and he's um, now a, a, a trainer and does uh, a lot of physical work and training, training athletes. And so uh, he tweeted out just to understand what uh, an MCL sprain is. And again, we don't know if it got worse. We don't have an update on that. But if it is just an MCL sprain, what Kadri says is the long arm of the law with that grade one MCL sprain is going to be okay. It just bit him as his foot went inside and his ankle bone collapsed. So Skeptic Goat, who's also on the show, said, so should he sit out for a couple? And Kadri replies, nah, just needs a good treatment plan. Grade one is more about tolerance of the bite. So um, just one, you know, uh, somewhat qualified here with the, with his job these days and his playing days and all that kind of stuff who explains what a sprain, an MCL sprain is, and we'll find out later if it's any more serious than that. I appreciated this from one of the beat writers out there in San Francisco. Nick Bosa had some really interesting insight. David Lombardi tweeted that he said Lamar changed up his – changed up his tendencies from earlier this season for this game. Jackson had been waiting more in the pocket, but he reverted to hunting for escape hatches. Uh, Bosa noted the midstream shift 
was very impressive. And as you could tell, the pass rushers had a interesting night chasing around Lamar, Sarah. He had them wearing down uh, at points in the second half. And just the way that the Ravens came out of the locker room was really, really something. They punched him in the mouth and set that tone in the second half. There's no question about that. Um, wanted to get – yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I skipped to the I skipped to the last one just because I feel like we need to wrap up. But um, Doug, uh, how do you say his last name? Is it Farrer? Farrer? F A R R A R. Who knows? Farrar? Uh, maybe. <laughs> Farrar, maybe. Sorry, Doug. Uh, but he's been with Sports Illustrated. But uh, he also does a lot of um, film study, and he said pretty deep into watching the Ravens' defense from last night, and that game was much more about Mike McDonald putting Brock Purdy in pure hell than anything else. One of the most amazing, diverse, and sequential defensive game plans you'll see all season long. One of Purdy's superpowers through his NFL career has been his ability to read and react to the skies and late motion. The Ravens set him up to see what he's to see what he's used to seeing, and then they flip the script post snap in ways that forced him to fail. Just incredible. So shout out to Mike McDonald, who, as we all saw, and you noted last night, it showed a lot of emotion, certainly more than I've ever seen him. I mean, it was not like just like, oh, hey, he showed a little emotion. It went from like never showing emotion to like the Hulk came out. You know what I mean? Just like pounding his chest. And then also in the graphic for the audio-only people, the Ravens lead the league in both takeaways and sacks through this point in the season, 54 sacks and 26 takeaways. Mm. Yeah, those are some metrics right there, and they're doing it and just <laughs> – they're doing it in droves. Unfortunately, Justin Matabike couldn't get that extension to, to 12 straight games with at least a half sack, but they got it in other areas. And somebody who's provided some production there as well off the couch, to use his term, is Kyle Van Noy, and he went on a nice little Twitter rant fresh off that red eye. He said he can't believe – totally unprompted, totally random, right, at, at 11.22 the day after the game – I can't believe the Bears didn't want Roe, referring to Roquan Smith. That S is crazy to me. Them analytics go crazy, right? Well, if we get two players for the price of one, as he's sort of putting the words in the maybe putting words in the mouths of, of executives that he's spoken to or thinks about, uh, that's well, FOH is FOH, but uh, Buddy's a dog and a leader. The analytics don't ever measure that. Sorry lack of sleep this morning. And I just thought this was so funny because he was actually, he spoke during that pres- the, the, the post-game locker room talk. And we only had 30 seconds of Lamar's a minute ago, but go, go take a look at the, the full post-game locker room recap that the Ravens put out because Sarah, I think he's start. I got the sense today. I just had this realization. I think he's this year's Mark Ingram internally. Hmm. I just think he's, He's a, a no player. Way. That, I, I, I say that because I see him more as a Ray Lewis than a Mark Ingram. In terms Kyle of Van like, Oy. oh, I thought you were talking about. Oh, my bad. I thought you were talking about Roquan. Kyle. Oh, yeah, Kyle you, Van Noy. I thought you were saying when you said go see his his post game locker room. I thought you were talking about Roquan because he was talking about Roquan here. So, no, Kyle, okay, so, so Kyle, Kyle Van Noy. Yeah. Kyle Van Noy is this year's Mark Ingram. Sure, I can see that. I don't think he's as. As good as Ingram at hyping up people, but yeah, he seems like a pretty good hype man. Uh, okay, I, I see it now. 
I think he's got a lot of respect. Some people might be out there and be like, look, I think it's OBJ. I mean, did you see him and Zay's dancing yeah, on the sideline? I mean, the, the, the vibes and the energy are just unbelievable. But the reason why I brought that up, and by the way, let us know in the comments section, who do you think is this year's Mark Ingram? Before, I know we're, we're up against the clock here. I just wanted to share this because Roquan Smith, there's a little snippet from Ravens Wired, which hasn't been released yet this week. But I thought this was funny, and this is why I want these two things go together. The KVN tweet on Roquan and then what he does on the field for this team. Hey. We talk with our pads, bro. We talk with our pads. We talk with our pads. We talk with our pads. Yeah! 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 I love it! Hey, this is what the memories created at right here. All right, so that'll be available later this week. But for the audio only people, he's pulling a teammate out of a pile, kind of jawing at each other, right? Against. There's a, a couple 49ers players. It might have been, was it Adafi Owe maybe that he was trying to pull out of there? I don't know. But I just thought it was classic Roquan. We talk with our pads, and then what does he do when he gets hit or when he hits somebody? He's yapping. He's yeah. yapping. Yeah. So. He's like cheering himself on as he has like a huge collision. Yeah, they talked with their pads all right. Oh, get this in here just for Sarah. Without an Oh, inch. so uh, <laughs> Pro Football Talk, which is Mike Florio, who's, who's behind that. Uh, tweeted last night, Ravens guard Kevin Zeitler is often bobbing up and down like whack-a-mole at the snap. How is that not a false start, he asks. So Sarah Zeitler, who is a big online presence and obviously protective of her husband, says, if you've never heard of a silent count at this point, I can't really help you. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's catching strays all day long, man. I mean, it's oh, been, man. What a rough Christmas for Mike Florio and, he, and all of it was warranted. <laughs> all of it. This Crazy. is what you wanted. I'm so glad this came to fruition. John Harbaugh and Brock Purdy meet up after the game. Oh, that's so good. Again, for the audio-only people, you might have been able to catch that. But Harbs singles out. He goes to find Brock post-game and says, people tell me we look alike. And then Brock, and it sort of muffled, says, you look like my father. <laughs> people tell me look like my father. So weren't you the one that wanted that to happen? Yes, I wanted it. I wanted it, All but right. I wanted a picture. That one, it was nice to see, but I wanted them to pose for a picture. Oh. So instead, they just chatted real quick. But I'm sure Purdy wasn't quite in the mood for such a picture. So maybe another time when it's a little bit more jovial. Shout out to a couple of our returning patrons, Michelle Spate and Neil Harold. We appreciate you both. Thank you for believing in what we're building. And if you guys are interested in doing the same, visit patreon.com forward slash Ravens vault podcast a long one but a good one hopefully you feel the same thanks to our sponsor GEHA thanks to you partner Merry Christmas to you and yours we're off and running it's going to be a short compact week with a lot kind of packed in here so be on the lookout for a game preview episode ahead of Ravens Dolphins we got plenty more coming up we appreciate you thanks so much for the support please like this video and subscribe to the vault on YouTube if you haven't already done so. And we appreciate you guys also in the audio-only space. Talk soon.